I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Wanna bet? What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. CJ, as we begin the Monday edition of our show, I have to admit, I was wrong. I like that. That's how we're going to start the show. Mia culpa, right? To start the week, just just wash your wash your hands clean of whatever your sins are here, my friend. I thought Sheldon Keefe would be fired this off season. It doesn't appear to be the case, CJ. Well, look, natural for you to think that, and others. You know, I think that there was a lot of talk about that. You go back to when the second round ended and the Leafs lost in five games, because. You know, I think that there was maybe specific quibbles you might have had with things that went on in the playoffs, how the adjustments went, how they didn't go. And also, let's just call it as it is. It's easier to change a coach than it is to, you know, change your front office to the degree the Leafs actually have in the meantime. And certainly to then, you know, maybe trading a player away or two, you know, the the easier thing to do tends to be, you know, firing a coach. And so I, I think that a lot of people felt that way. And then all of a sudden, you know, you got Brad Tree living in, in taking that job and, you know, he didn't take over till the end of May. And I think that that some of that dictates where we've got to today, which is that that certainly the intent is to bring Sheldon Keefe back as the Leafs coach. Um, you know, they haven't worked out a contract extension at this juncture just yet, but I think that there's an understanding he'll be back as as the team's head coach for next season. He was already under contract for that year. And, you know, the process that had to play out is that Brad Tree Living and Sheldon Keefe didn't know one another. And I, and I don't think it was ever a question in Brad Tree Living's mind, is Keefe good enough to be the Leafs coach? I mean, they had 111 points and 115 points their last two seasons. Uh, they did actually win a playoff round also, remember, this spring. I know because of how the, the season ended, that, that tends to get overlooked a little bit. But they, they've had success and growth under Keefe. But I think, you know, the, the question at, at some level was, you know, can Sheldon Keefe and Brad Tree living comfortable working together and, and forging forward and where they've got to at this point is that, you know, I think that they are and, and, you know, he will be back behind the team's bench, even though uh, you were calling for his firing, I suppose. I mean, it's not so much that I was calling for him to get fired. It's just when you go through a year, like what the, the, the Leafs went through, there has to be some measure of change. And it just, in my mind, Sheldon Keefe, despite the regular season record, despite whatever connections he has to that locker room, I just thought, yeah, you're right. Like it would have been the easiest move to make uh, to see him go. And and now for Brad Trilivig and, and Sheldon Keith, second year in a row, Brad Trilivig has to uh, get along with somebody that he's, you know, just meeting for the first time. And maybe there's an extension. It happened with Jonathan Huberto at a dinner in Montreal. Maybe they meet somewhere in Toronto uh, with Sheldon Keefe. What's a very, what's the, what's a, if you want to impress somebody, CJ, what's a very nice restaurant to go to in Toronto? Oh, I'm the wrong one to ask, man. Really? I'm the wrong one to ask. I'm not going, what? I'm not going out to dinner in Toronto too often. If I'm being honest. You're not going? Wait a minute. What's the, what's the name of that Italian place we went to in Toronto where um, it was me and my colleagues were there and then you crashed the party like after that? What was that called? I completely forgot what it was called. Oh, we I, rented out an entire place. That's the place only time it. I've ever been there. I don't I don't know what that is. I know where that is in the city, Dang. but I don't know what that place is. I didn't eat dinner. I just I, I came for a drink. Yeah. 
Yeah, you came for drinking. You and like you were you were very much like high energy. Like everyone was all just chilling or whatever. You you came in. There's a, I have a photo of you just like smiling and grinning, your arms out, just being all happy with everybody. And then after that, we went to Sneaky D's, and like people were tired. I was thinking about this the other day. People were tired, and you were the only one just like full energy at like two a. Well, remember, I covered a game that night. I mean, I I show, you did I showed up late, and so in case anyone is reading between the lines, I was I was not. Showing up in a in a heightened state. I, if anything, I just was like happy nope. to to come out and see some familiar faces. Um, you know, lots of people like Yorkville. I guess Soto Soto is a famous kind of Italian place where business gets done in the city. I mean, it's it's a great dining city, but you know, I'm I'm just making dinner at home ninety percent of the time, and then obviously when I'm out on the road, I'll I'll you know indulge in some some dinners out. But I, I don't know where they would have that that dinner these days. Probably somewhere in Yorkville is my guess. Okay, so yeah, tangent aside, I don't think Brad Trilliving is taking Sheldon Keefe to Boston Pizza. No, I don't think so. I mean, there aren't. There's one Boston Pizza location right down by the Rogers Center, but there aren't a lot in downtown Toronto. More of a kind of suburban Canada thing at this point. But you know, look, they they. What was the question again? I've already lost my train of thought because we're <laughs> down this. So so initially so initially we started off with by by talking about oh, uh, Brad Trilliving and Sheldon Keefe and, and whether or not Sheldon Keefe should stay and and if there's an extension involved and all that too. But like, I guess I should move on to the next question I have is that with Sheldon, it, it, even though like maybe it's easy for for people to call for his firing, I guess one thing I didn't really think about, maybe other people didn't think about this too, and maybe the Leafs consider this as well. Who would even be his replacement? Well, to me, that's what this boils down to. Are you, is there it remove emotion, remove what happened to playoffs, remove anything. You, you just got to look at what you have. You have a coach under contract. So Sheldon Keefe was getting paid by the Leafs next season. Either way, I guess, unless they had to let him go and he got hired somewhere else, but let's not go down that possibility. Who is you going to get? That was, that was obviously better or an upgrade. And I think, especially when you look at the, the current, you know, now that there were other hirings made this off season, you know, I think the Leafs looked at it you're not bringing a first time head coach in again with this group. I mean, that's what Sheldon Keefe was, you know, that comes with a bit of an asterisk because he'd been with the organization. He coached the Toronto Marlies to a Calder cup. He knew some of the players obviously firsthand had been part of their development. And so he was promoted in season to, to being a first time head coach. But I, I don't think that Brad true living was, was, you know, while there are certainly promising coaches uh, around the, the AHL and other places that you might look at for a job. I don't think that's the job the Leafs need, right? The Leafs, Leafs need to close here. They have a, a veteran team that's had a lot of questions asked of them, a lot of questions that we don't have full answers for, or maybe you know some people mind uh, that, that it's answered that this Leafs team will never get over the top, but obviously that's not management's view. And so I think you needed someone with some experience, and there's just not a lot of people out there that fit the bill. I mean, maybe you look at Patrick Waugh. Maybe. I mean, obviously he's gotten some attention. That would be, he's gotten wow. some attention, but I, I don't think that was anything the Leafs were ever going to look at. And a lot of the other veteran coaches out there have been hired. I mean, I suppose you would, could maybe look at Gerard Gallant, but I mean, he's, he's worked a lot of places in, in recent years. And so ultimately I think that that helps lead you back to Sheldon Keefe. Um, it's just the, the idea that, that, Hey, we might have the best guy available. You know, it's something I mentioned you know, a month or so ago, Julian, but I know there were other teams back when there were openings that were wondering and hoping maybe the Leafs might let go Sheldon Keefe because they wanted a crack at him. I mean, that's, that, it's funny. Sometimes the external view of someone is different than, than the way it gets viewed internally. Maybe 
you take a coach for granted or, or you see more flaws when you're watching something up close or you perceive more flaws. Uh, Cause it's not to say that they're necessarily there. Uh, but you know, in the end, the Leafs got to the point where the, the only coach they lost this off season is, is Spencer Carberry went and got hired by the Washington capitals. And so, you know, now the focus for, for Brad tree living and, and Sheldon Keefe is finding the right replacement for Carberry he filled an important role on the staff because he was in charge of the team's power play. That's been a strength of the Leafs, you know, even predating Spencer Carberry, but, but, you know, the, the organization will hope that continues to be a strength. And, you know, I think ultimately you give Sheldon Keefe an extension for a couple of reasons. It's, it's the difference between him and Huberto is that in this case, you know, there's no salary cap ramifications, right? I mean, you, you can pay a coach not to work for you. And I think, you know, from a, making a statement standpoint, it's, it's important to give him that contract extension so that everybody knows. And so it's very clear. He's not coming into a lame duck situation. He doesn't need to be coaching with an eye over his shoulder. And ultimately, of course, if things don't go well, well, you, you can, you can fire the coach and pay him not to work for you and move on to someone else. Any idea what the timeline is on finding a replacement for Spencer Carberry? And, and one name I'm just going to throw out there just because there is the connection to Brad for living. Would Kirk Muller make sense? I don't know if he does, honestly. I'm, I'm not. I'm not downplaying it. I, I just. I, I haven't heard his name in any of my conversations. Um, you know, I, I. I think you can turn that job over to someone. You know, Spencer Carberry was hired out of the American Hockey League into that role, and you know, it was his first time working at the NHL level, and you know, ultimately helped vault him into a position where he becomes a head coach with the Capitals. I, I think that. Well, you maybe at the head coach level, you want experience. I don't know that it's a prerequisite for what the Leafs will be looking for to, to fill out the assistance job. And, you know, I, I, I don't know that it has to be hired tomorrow, but we're kind of in the stage now where we're, you know, you've seen Calgary find its head coach, the Rangers, you know, hired Peter Laviolette here in the last week or two, you know, now, you know, Andrew Burnett in Nashville. Now all those staffs are getting filled out to various degrees and so now, now we're kind of in the assistant coach season where, where, you know, those, those people have to decide, you know, who, who ends up where. And so I, I think that that will be done rather soon. I, I don't know that there's necessarily a timeline on even when Keith's extension needs to be done, other than there's an understanding it's something they're going to have to get to this summer. And so, you know, it's, it's say one more box check for, for Brad true living here as he's navigating a pretty crazy start to his, his tenure with the Leafs between, you know, hiring Shane Doan, obviously sitting down with Austin Matthews to start conversations towards what they hope was an extension there. You know, now they'll round out the coaching staff. And of course, in the next week or so, they're going to be in Nashville, uh, where, where Brad Tree living, it doesn't look like is going to have the ability to, to have, be functioning at 100% as a GM, but, you know, the, the trade talk and all that goes on there and, and drafting players into the team. And then, of course, you know, we're only, what, 10 days or so out from free agency. So this is a, this is a pretty big period. And, and, I think that it's good that the matter settled for the lease end because it's just, it's one more, you know, box that doesn't remain as a, as a question mark about what this team will look like next year. Have you started packing for Nashville? No. <laughs> I'm not going to pack until the morning of man. I, why would I change my, are you crazy? How do you pack the morning of? It's not hard. I, I, I mean, I, I pack consistently. What? Oh yeah. No way. Every single, no way. pretty much I, every single trip in my life, man. I can't do that. I need a couple days because I know just my brain is going to go 
300 other different places and if i if i'm doing it the morning of i don't mind finishing packing the morning of but like not starting a couple days out i can't do it's that. a business trip i mean I look need i need some workout clothes to go on my runs i need one or two sort of casual outfits we'll call it for socializing and then i'm wearing suits the whole time because I'm, I'm working the whole time so it's it's not really it's not that complicated for me i might wear one suit and I'm, i might not even wear that suit i don't even know it's just i don't need I'm, well, you I mean, you sound like a man with fewer tv duties than i have if uh, anyone wants me on TV uh, during uh, next week in uh, Nashville, uh, hi, uh, I'm around. Well, you better bring a suit. Then. Um, They're not going to put you on in your sneakers. They might put me on suit and sneakers. What are you talking okay, about? Suit and sneakers, but they're not going to put you on in a hoodie. You know what I'm saying? They're not going to put you on a hoodie. Fair. That's fine. That's very fair. Also, I don't know if it's worth bringing a hoodie uh, in Nashville. Anyway, I think uh, let's get to hot, sports though. interaction. I think it's going to be very hot that week, my brother. We had it's going to be very hot. The that mandate week. came down today from TSN that we don't even have to wear ties because it's so hot. We do in, inside the building. Sorry, should be clear when, when it's draft night and we're in the arena, it's ties. But if we do hits in the in the upcoming days leading up to it outside the arena or whatever, no ties. I'll try not to video bomb you uh, if I happen to walk past you and and Dreger and LeBron and the boys doing one of those hits. I promise. I think they're going to be doing a lot. So if, as long as you're anywhere near me, you're probably going to see me at some point. <laughs> I'll try. I'll try. I'll try not to 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 mess you up. Anyway, sports interaction. Uh, let's get to that and the rest of our show. You can bet that with David Bastel. Brought to you by Sports Interaction. Get in the action and make a play. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. It is time for You Can Bet That. Remember to hit up sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all of your gaming needs. The betting favorite for the second overall pick in next week's NHL entry draft, Adam Fantilli at uh, minus 714. Uh, Leo Carlson, uh, the second betting favorite at plus 545. You can tell uh, it's pretty clear, or it looks pretty clear, that Adam Fantilli should be drafted second overall by the Anaheim Ducks. Third overall pick, Leo Carlson, is the betting favorite to be picked by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Second best odds go to Will Smith, not to be confused with the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, even though Will Smith, I believe, knows the lyrics to the show's theme song. He's the second uh, best odds at plus 202. It looks like it's going to be an open shut case with Adam Fantilli and Leo Carlson going second and third respectively. We might get a surprise though. I remember once upon a time it was going to be open and shut with Jesse Pugliarvi going third overall and Columbus at the time surprised some by taking Pierre-Luc Dubois. And so, you know, you, you go into this where, where, you know, players start, we're seeing more and more draft boards, right? I mean, people doing what Scott Wheeler does, Bob McKenzie is the OG making his draft board. Craig Button puts one together. I know there's there's many other good ones out there. And so you start to feel like there's, you're building a consensus. But the reality is it's one team that chooses each spot, right? One team only needs to, to value one player higher than maybe what the consensus pick is, and and, and you can see a shift. And, and so I, I remember there being like a gasp. Even way back when, when Florida took Barkov, it was higher. I think that was the second pick, if I'm not mistaken. Should have done my homework today. But it was higher than than people expected and there was like a gasp almost in the arena when that happened and so we, we might get a curveball you know i'm pretty solid on fantilli at two i think any other year that doesn't involve Connor bedard this guy would have gotten much more hype than than he has i mean you know by even playing for for 
you know, at the senior men's world hockey championship scored a ridiculous goal over there for team Canada while winning a gold medal, but to do that before he's played in the NHL, um, you know, plus everything else he did at, at Michigan and, and, you know, with the world junior team, um, yeah, I'm pretty solid at him at two, but we'll, we'll see. Maybe, uh, maybe there'll be a curveball or two thrown at us come next week. Remember last year we were wondering, okay, well, maybe Shane Wright is the guy to pick at number one. Your Slavkovsky gets picked and we think, okay, well, Shane Wright probably falls to number two, falls all the way to number four to Seattle. It's not, un- it's not unlike us to see curveballs at the NHL draft. Well, and, and I think at the very top of the draft, you are just truly drafting the best player you think is available. You don't, you don't care what position you're at, but as you go further down the board, maybe some teams want a defenseman and, so if a forward drops to them, they still want the D man, you know, things like that can, can play into it. Um, you know, I, that's why it's fun though. If we knew whatever, what everything was going to go, I mean, that, that would be pretty boring. Uh, I don't know how those, those draft pick writers do it though. Like Corey Pronman's and they spend a whole year focusing on this and then all their work can just go to chaos, uh, depending on how the, the draft board falls. This is their Super Bowl, the draft. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll be there learning the names of some of the players still in the first round, because I'm, I'm admittedly not, uh, I'm not a draft expert. I'm there mostly for the, you know, set up free agency and all the trade talk and things like that. I'm here for all of that and whatever chaos they put me through that week, hopefully uh, less chaotic than last year where I was sick part of the time. Hopefully self-imposed sickness. I think it was not a self-imposed sickness. I think you were working. It was not a self-imposed sickness. If I recall correctly. I was trying to push through that. Maybe it was not wise to do, but I made it work because it's not every day you have the entire hockey world descending on your city, CJ. It's not every day that happens. I tried to take advantage as much as I could. Anyway, sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all your gaming needs. For all the best odds before game, in-game, best props, sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. This episode of the Chris Johnston Show is brought to you by Shopify. You sure already know what that sound means, because that's the best kind of notification. It is the sound of another sale on Shopify, and the moment another business dream becomes a reality. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're selling hats, shirts, socks, ghost pepper sauces, I don't know. Maybe Andrew Berkshire will get one of us again to do... uh, Another riveting edition of Hot Ones, like he did with me that one episode of Game Over Montreal, or Adam that one other time where uh, he didn't look so good for him. Doesn't matter what you're selling, Shopify covers every sales channel from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform. It even lets you sell across social media uh, marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. It's packed with industry-leading tools ready to ignite your growth. And Shopify will give you complete control over your business and your brand without having to learn any new skills in design or code. And that's thanks to 24-7 help and an extensive business course library. Shopify is there to support your success every single step of the way. And now it's your turn to get serious about selling and to try Shopify today. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash Johnston, all lowercase shopify.com slash johnston to take your business to the next level today shopify.com slash johnston this episode of the chris johnston show is brought to you by athletic greens i gave ag1 a try because i wanted better gut health sustained energy a better immune system taking pills and vitamins all the time is just a little bit too tedious 
Why should I be taking, you know, a vitamin C pill and a vitamin D3 pill, all these other different sets of pills at different points in the day when I could just put together a little drink, add some water, add some of that AG1 powder, maybe a little bit of extra juice in there if I want to. And I have something that gives me 75 high quality ingredients with daily nutrients and long-term gut health support. It's just, it's just ideal. It's a micro habit that delivers macro benefits and helps almost everyone take care of their health every single day. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five, one, two, three, four, fifth, uh, travel packs with your very first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Johnston. That's athleticgreens.com slash Johnston. Go check it out. Thoughts on the Vancouver Canucks. We're going to go through a bunch of different news and notes, but let's start in Vancouver. Uh, they bought out Oliver Ekman Larson last week. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's not a decision you make lightly as an organization because he now has a cap charge for the next eight years on their books. You know, he had four years left on his contract. And so there's considerable expense out of the owner's pocket uh, in order to free up that cap room. And obviously there's, there's some penalties down the line, but when you boil it all down, Julian, I don't think they had a choice. I mean, the Vancouver Canucks until they executed this buyout, they were above next year's cap ceiling with players still to sign. They are, have been desperate to create more cap room and they've tried the trade route, you know, even back at the deadline, right? We heard Connor Garland's name out there. I think it's still a possibility for a trade. JT Miller, there was discussions of the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Vancouver Canucks prior to the trade deadline. They've been trying to free up space any way they can. And I think ultimately they looked at the way it's structured. And this is the, the beauty, I think, from the Canucks standpoint, he only charges i think 147,000 against the cap next year. That's a savings for them of 7 million dollars, a little bit more actually. And so for next season, they've actually created 7 million dollars in space that isn't there. In future years, of course, it's a more punitive cap charge, but the hope is with the NHL salary cap expected to go up in those years, maybe it doesn't inflict as much damage on the organization. But this is still, you know, no no team this is last resort, right? <laughs> a buyout is never it's never your first course of action when, when you're looking at your roster and ways to get better. But Vancouver for really two seasons has been trying to, to make deals where they, they, they shed cap space and they, they haven't been able to do it. And so, you know, I think that they really were left with, with very little choice here. It's, it's going to be a long time. I mean, it's going to be four years from now and you're going to be at your favorite cap page, looking at the Canucks. You're going to be like, Oh my God, you know, all of Reckman Larson still eating up, you know, this on, on their cap sheet. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, something teams would would enter into lightly but you know with with all the work that that's in front of Patrick Alvin there with the Canucks I, I do think that this was necessary and, and I should mention I still think they're going to be in the market to create more space I, I don't think they stop here in terms of subtractions because they know that they have a lot of building to do and they just haven't had the cap space to truly build a better team in these last two years now it's on the front office to create it yeah I believe off the top of my head OEL's cap charge for this coming season will be under $150,000. I can't think of too many contracts that have been bought out where you see that number. Yeah, that's low. And that's, and that's attractive for where Vancouver's at right now. And, you know, that's why they couldn't do this next year. I mean, sometimes you, you might wave, are we better just to, to grin and bear it for one more season and look to buy them out next summer? You know, they needed this space right now. And, and the way his contract was structured, 
this this is has worked out in their favor, I guess, if you want to call it. I mean, there's, there's no good way to sell this, though. They're still paying him a lot of money not to play for the team uh, for, for the next eight years. But, you know, in terms of trying to get back to the playoffs, trying to to build up a better product that they, they needed this this cap room. And so, you know, that's that's how they arrived where they were at on Friday night. And, and you know, this buyout window runs through June 30th, Julian. I, I think you'll probably see anywhere from about seven to ten buyouts total. Uh, by the time everything, all the dust settles, I mean, that's been kind of the average we've had the last couple of years. And and with the small cap growth we've seen in the NHL, I mean, there's just more and more pressure in a lot of different places to to create cap space the way the Vancouver Canucks chose to with, with buying out OEL. So which teams and players should we be looking out for in this period? The big one for me is the Boston Bruins. I mean, they're, they're in a very similar spot. Uh as the Canucks, I mean, they, they've got a much better team, obviously coming off a President's Trophy season, but you know they they need to create some some flexibility uh, cap wise, and and you know Mike Riley is a player that comes to mind there. You know, he spent much of the year in the American Hockey League. He, he twice passed through waivers during the season. You know, they no one wanted to take him for free. Is is the takeaway there at least during the year? I, I think the Bruins have have explored trade opportunities uh, that might make sense for Riley, and ultimately, if nothing materializes. You know, I could see him being a player that's that's bought out. You know, you've seen Derek Forbert mentioned as a possibility on their blue line. I certainly think Van, Boston, rather, is really going to have to to find a way to, to create that space. And ultimately, the buyout mechanism might be best. You know, from a Canadian perspective, Edmonton and Toronto will both have decisions to make. I don't think either organization at this point in time has entered the buyout period saying we're, we're, we're going to buy someone out. But they, they both understand that they're going to have to consider it. Um, you know, from the Oilers standpoint that they're looking to maybe move a player like Kaylor Yamamoto or Warren Fogle, some of their sort of middle tier forwards in order to, to create the, the cap space needed to, to make changes elsewhere in the roster. And the real appeal with someone like Yamamoto as a bio candidate is that he's under age 26. And so he, he doesn't charge nearly as much on the cap sheet. He's only got one year left on his contract. So you're looking at a two year cap charge. I think ultimately that might be palatable for Edmonton if and it's still an if they, they can't move either him or other players on the roster to create some space. You know, the Leafs are a team that they just never buy players out straight up. You could win a bar bet with this piece of trivia. They haven't done it since 2016. And when they did it, then it was Jared Cowan. And there were some pretty specific circumstances, i.e. They actually got a cap benefit uh, when he was first for the first season that he was bought out. Um, but, you know, with, the, the Leafs, the way they've approached inefficient or underperforming contracts is they've, they've traded out draft picks to, to get rid of someone like Patrick Marlowe for the last year of his deal. Peter Morazic last year, um, you know, I look back at the Nick Ritchie signing that didn't work out that, you know, they, they find ways to trade those players rather than get to a point where they have to buy them out. But we are at a stage here with Matt Murray still having one year left on his deal. It's a heavy money year too, in terms of actual dollars. I think that's going to be a tough contract to trade. They're certainly going to try and see if anything makes sense. Uh, but ultimately, maybe with Matt Murray, the Leafs will will have to consider by the June 30th deadline if if it might make the most sense to to buy him out, send him on his way, and and start fresh uh, with with a new set of goaltenders next season. Okay, let's move on to another Canadian, uh, another defenseman in a Canadian market, uh, Noah Hannafin. Uh, last week, our colleague Pierre Lebrun said that all signs are pointing to a trade. It doesn't look as if he's going to be signed. He has one year left on his contract that has a has him at an AAV of four point nine five million. Uh, what are your thoughts on on him and what the market could be like for Noah Hannafin? Well, welcome to the GM seat, Craig Conroy. I mean, this is the first of a number of situations, obviously, that the Flames are going to have to work their way through. And and 
you know, I think that the, the, this kind of clarity is actually helpful for the organization, obviously with the potential of what, seven unrestricted free agents in summer 2024, you, you want to get these kind of answers and it might not be the answer they were hoping for or looking for. Uh, maybe they, they were hoping to extend him, but, you know, at least does give them a period now to try to maximize the trade value. And it's funny when I look around, I, I've got the CJ's trade big board dropping here in, in the next day or two. But when I look around at, at the potential trade situations of which Hannafin is, is right up, he's inside the top 10. So many of them are similar in that it's all players that have one year of team control left, uh, at least in this case, Hannafin signed, you know, compared to some of the others. But, you know, you really need to work with the other teams to maximize the trade in those situations. And I'll go right down the list. I mean, you have Alex DeBrinket in the exact same situation with the Ottawa Senators, Pierre-Luc Dubois in Winnipeg. Uh, same deal. Brett Pesci, whose name has is, is come up in, in Carolina, he's one year out from potential unrestricted free agency, and it's not clear yet if the Hurricanes can get him signed. You know, even Connor Hellebuck, as much as you might say it'd be great to trade for a Vesna candidate goaltender every year, well, he's one year away from getting a bigger paycheck. And I think that's where Hannafin finds himself. And so those are not easy trades to make. I, I think that there'll be a strong market on Hannafin specifically. Uh, because, you know, he's still in the, the good years of his career, 26 years old, as you mentioned, um, you know, he's, he's put up some, some decent point totals. I, I think he can help a lot of teams, but, but the teams that would be looking to trade for him are going to want to have some understanding of what that extension needs to look like. If he's willing to sign it with that team before giving up any real man, you know, tangible assets to bring him in. And so I think that, that in some of these cases, and I'm, it's too early yet to predict which ones Julian. But I think we might see some of these players return to their current teams on the one year remaining on their contract and then maybe be deadline type of deals that are made. I'm not saying that specific just to Hannafin, but I think when you look at the collection of guys in those those spots, it's just it's hard to imagine that they all get traded and extended right away. I mean, maybe maybe there's lightning in the bottle this offseason, but I think more than not, because of a lot of the cap pressures we've talked about you know, I think it's hard to know where the markets fall in each of those cases. And, you know, from, from the flames end, I think they're just now exploring what the market might be uh, for someone like Noah Hannafin, where there might be a fit, but, but certainly lots of teams like the player sometimes fitting in the contract and figuring out the next contract is where these, these trades might get uh, hung up a little bit. I believe Hannafin also has a modified no trade list as well. So that also plays into the difficulty of trying to offload him. You could think of a city, let's just throw out a city, for example, like a Buffalo, where they have a bunch of cap space. They could use a top four defenseman. We don't know if that team is on his no trade list, for example. Right. And and look, I mean, all these players where they have the no trade list or not almost have a no trade list because, yeah, you could get sent for one year to a place. But again, I don't see those a lot of teams giving up assets unless they know they're signing these players. And so... You know, it, it is an interesting dynamic. I mean, Buffalo is a good one to circle when we, we talk about suitors because I think that, you know, they'd certainly have a lot of interest in Brett Pesci too if, if the Hurricanes do, in fact, get to a point where they're ready to, to trade him. Uh, and, and you're right. I mean, Kevin Adams has prioritized adding another experienced player to his top four. And look, I, I think if, as a player, it's a pretty attractive situation to go to. I, I think most people view the Sabres as a team on the rise. I mean, you might be catching a young group at the right time. If you're a veteran who goes there and, and gets a nice contract, gets yourself some stability and, and can set up shop there. So you know, I think Buffalo will be involved here. And, and you know, it's just such a, I don't know if it's a bare free agent market for defensemen, if that's the quite way to put it, but there's not a ton of options, you know, for impactful D. And so I think that's where some of these trades might come in, whether, you know, it's Eric Carlson moving uh, someone like Pesci, 
Um, you know, even in Columbus, I think someone like Andrew Peak is, is is getting some some interest on, on the market because there's not a lot of ways to solve your blue line jigsaw puzzle in in straight up free agency. There's going to be a trade market this year, and so in that regard, it might be a good time for Calgary to have to to potentially consider moving a player like Hannafin. And and you know, wouldn't surprise me as I mentioned. All things considered, maybe you, you go through and you, you look at the offers, and they're just not strong enough. Well, you can elect to keep the player see where you're at next year at the deadline or just decide, Hey, you know, I, I know that from a PR standpoint, maybe in Calgary, it might be hard to let someone walk away for, for nothing, but they're also trying to win games next year too. Right. I mean, you, yes. you can't, you don't want to just make bad trades for the sake of getting rid of an asset. I mean, having the player has value too. And so let's see where the market uh, develops here, but it does sound as though that's at least going towards the direction of a, of a trade. Last thing I'll just add on Hannafin. I'm very intrigued about, for what are those what those offers will look like for one and two, if the Flames are interested in getting roster players that are going to help them now, or if they see the possibility of using Hannafin to get picks and prospects out of that, because I think that's also something that could be done too. Because Craig Conroy does want to see younger players into the lineup, but also cheaper contracts. I mean, they're pretty close up to the cap limit as well. So I, I I'm very curious about the strategy that the Flames will use. Uh, when it comes to to Noah Hannafin. But at least as of right now, in terms of the free agents, the pending free agents that they have, it looks as if, again, using uh, the verbiage that uh, Pierre Lebrun used, all signs are pointing to him being moved. Well, and remember, if they get picks and prospects, it doesn't mean those can't be flipped in subsequent deals. It doesn't, it doesn't mean it's a sign of a rebuild necessarily. I mean, there's lots of different ways to use your assets. And I think that that's, that's an important point to hammer home here. You know, even Ottawa, for example, like obviously that team is trying to trend towards making the playoffs this year. But with the Brinkett, they're they're going into these these trade talks thinking, okay, we'll take a player if there's a good player out there you want to offer us, or we'll look at the picks and prospects. I mean, I think that they're they're open ended on both accounts, and and I think that that's not necessarily the wrong approach because there's certainly if you trade for a first round draft pick right now, it wouldn't be too hard to flip it before next week's draft. Well, you know, uh, let's move on to re- restricted free agents for a moment. I know you mentioned Alex to Brinkett and Pierre Lutubar a little a little while earlier, but you know what name we haven't really touched on a lot in terms of RFAs, Timo Meyer out in New Jersey. What do you think of his situation? Well, I think we haven't touched on as much because it's pretty evident that, that he and the devils are are working towards a long-term extension and, and you know, they're, they're currently pursuing a max term extension, which is eight years. It's just kind of interesting, right? I mean, New Jersey has, they're, they're doing a little bit like we've seen Ottawa do Buffalo has done in terms of locking up, their, their, their core pieces to, to long periods of time. You know, Jack Hughes has a long-term deal. He sure got a deal. Obviously, Jester Bratt t- signed an eight-year contract last week. And I, I think Timu Meyer will be the next one to to get the, that kind of deal from the New Jersey Devils. And so, you know, it, it was a good fit. I, I know that maybe the production wasn't at the level Meyer wanted. But when the Devils made that deal, they, they didn't make it for a rental player, right? They weren't thinking this was going to be a one-and-done type of situation. And, and you know, I think New Jersey is low-key becoming one of the real destination spots, um, you know, for players around the league. And, and with good reason. Look, it's, you still get to live in a good market. And I think most players, you know, there's there's different priorities here and there, but most players want a chance to win. And, and what the Devils have done in the last 12 months has shown that they're for real as a team, you know, going – really wire to wire in the regular season as a top team in the league, you know, winning the the first round playoff series. I know it ended maybe in in a fashion they didn't like against Carolina, but it's hard not to conclude that's an organization heading in the right direction. And I think Timo Meyer wants to be part of it. Now it's just a matter of figuring out the dollar dollar amount that uh, 
gets it done. And, and, you know, I think teams try to impose those sort of quote unquote internal caps. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to do that here or if, if Meyer's going to end up something more like a nine instead of an eight. Uh, but that's where the negotiation clicks in and, and uh, we'll see where they land. Anything else you want to mention, whether it's about RFAs, pending UFAs, trades, leaf stuff, other NHL stuff, one good thing, one good nugget you have before we go to ask CJ. Now's your time. <laughs> That's a broad question. I mean, I, I it's a would very broad say, question. I would say we're in a great window right now if you like transactions. I mean, the Debrinka case is one Ottawa's trying to get that deal done by the draft, and and the draft is pretty soon. So you know, that that's a domino to keep an eye on. You know, we'll see where things go with Dubois. I think that Dubois is someone that the Jets are willing to take into next season on their roster if 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 they need be. I mean, obviously, they are pursuing trade options now. You know, Los Angeles has been mentioned as a, a possible landing spot for him. But I, I do think Winnipeg will be patient there if, if they're not getting the sort of trade um, activity they want. And they're in a good spot. His qualifying offer is only, and I say only, $6 million because I think there's a good bet that Pierre-Luc Dubois will, will outperform a $6 million contract next season, and there's a lot of interest in his services. And so, you know, this is this is going to be a, a busy week to 10, 11 days of, of trade activity, and, and you can start to feel the anticipation of it. I, I'd say that's that's the best piece. It's not, it's not one scoop for you, but it's it's kind of a general feeling that um, – some big things are are starting to to come together and a lot of you know high level discussions between teams. It was worth a shot. Let's get to ask CJ here. Uh there's here's one from Brave Pip on Discord. Hey CJ. With Aiden Hill finishing third in Consmith voting and Logan Thompson having the excellent season he had before he got injured, are there any updates on the status of Robin Leonard for the Golden Knights? Can he even be bought out if they wanted since he might still be injured? Well, there's no reason to buy him out as long as he's injured. I, I don't know anything right to date about his status in terms of if if he could be back, when he's going to be back. I mean, I think that there's a big question mark there. If if Vegas has taught us anything, is they're they're comfortable rolling the dice with a lot of different goaltenders, though. I mean, one thing that stood out to me watching their Stanley Cup celebration on the ice, there's a lot of guys in pads out there because they had to use a lot of different goalies. I know at one point during the season they won games four consecutive games with four different goaltenders. Um, you know, and so I think that there'll be turnover at that position. It's going to be tough for them to hold on to Aiden Hill. You know, I think that he's put himself in the class of goalies that makes 4 million, maybe even a bit above that. And just given the, their current cap situation, I believe both him and Ivan Barbashev are, are going to be tough for the Golden Knights to retain. Um, but you know, they've, they've got a little bit of time. I'm sure there's, there's a few hangovers still in the city of Las Vegas, seeing the way they partied with that cup over the weekend. But, um, Jeez. you know, Kelly McCrim and knowing that organization, we know they're not going to rest on their laurels. I mean, you already hear Bill Foley, their owner talking about, you know, going, adding another cup to the one they've just won. And so, uh, I think that the, the takeaway for me with, with Vegas is that they will get creative. I don't think that they're afraid to start next year. Uh, with at least one new goaltender in the mix. And of course, they still have Laurent Boisois as well as Logan Thompson in-house. So, you know, maybe uh, Aiden Hill's going on somewhere else. And, you know, I'm not sure if we're going to see Robin Leonard ever again uh, in an NHL crease. Kadri Sens asks, who stays and who goes in Ottawa after new ownership? Million dollar question. I mean, I think it's it's normal for people to be pointing to the connection between Michael Allenlauer, the new Sens uh, owner or incoming Sens majority owner and, and Steve Steos who worked with him 
uh, for, for years in, in the OHL with Hamilton, but it doesn't, there's no guarantees, right? I mean, for one, Steve Stales works for the Edmonton Oilers right now. Uh, perhaps he's promoted. I know there's some people around the league who believe he is the successor when Ken Holland chooses to, to move into retirement or move into maybe less of a frontline position with the organization. There's some thought that Stales might make sense to replace him as GM. So there's a lot of moving parts here. And the truth is that, that Alan and Lauer and, and the group that is buying the team aren't probably going to get their hands on it officially till September. Uh, it's not, it's not a clear schedule, but I mean, there's, there's work to be done behind the scenes and Lauer has to relinquish his position his minority position in the Montreal Canadians before he can formally take over, you know, the, the Sens ownership. And so come September, it's getting late in the game to change a coach or GM. I mean, those things could happen down the line naturally, but I think if you're Pierre Dorian, you've got the job today. You're, you're, you're making calls on Alex to break it. I mean, like there, there's a real push to, to, to show your best because I, I don't think that our, the, the, those decisions have 100% been made by any stretch. So I think it's too soon to say who, who comes, who goes, you know, I know that there's, there's some talk about uh, bringing Daniel Alfredson into the organization, which to me just makes a world of sense, uh, but we're going to have to see where, where things land by the time the sale goes through. And if it's close to the start of the next year, I don't, I don't think you're making any immediate changes. And then, and then it's up to the team to perform. If the team performs well, then, you have less and less uh, reason to, to make changes in the key positions. Okay, we have time for one question, but there are three good ones that stand out, and you're going to have to pick quickly here. Would you rather a question about running? Would you rather a question about Ontario's greatest musical product? Or would you rather a question about the movie Titanic? Probably running, because I feel like the other two, I'm not going to be able to give a good answer to. From Congo Red, what kind of running shoes does CJ wear? Does he run with other, with any other equipment like a water bottle or Camelback? I don't run with a with a water bottle, which I realize might sound weird, um, but I, I just I don't like carrying things if I don't have to. And for some reason, I just I can get through a run, even longer runs in the heat, without doing so. Um, I, I use a variety of shoes. I try to alternate my shoes. That's one way. I got a tip from someone along the way to stay healthy is to use different shoes on different days. Basically you're, it, you have a different strike then. So I, I use a, a pair by on running. I don't know the brand off the top of my head. I think maybe cloud stratus. Um, I have a Saucony pair that I wear and, but I'm not that like, I'm sort of, I'm not brand loyal. I, I'll try anything. I like going into, uh, there's a store in Toronto and a couple uh, stores actually, but uh, called black toe running. I like going in there and leaning on, their expertise of the people that work there and ask them for shoes. So uh, I don't, I don't wear just one consistent pair and, and it's kind of, it's kind of worked for me uh, that way. And yeah, I, I, I really, I'm, I'm kind of a simple runner. I mean, sometimes I don't even like listen to music or a podcast or anything. Sometimes I just go out the door with my shorts, my t-shirt, my running shoes. And I do have a, I do have a running watch. I love called the Coros too. If you're looking for one of those, none of these are sponsors or anything, just, just brands that I've, discovered and, and bought, but uh, the Coros 2 has been like my loyal running watch. It's probably the product I'm, I most couldn't do without. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of my gear setup. All right, cool. And that's going to do it for this Monday edition of the CJ show. Siege, a pleasure as always doing these shows with you. Yeah. Thanks for your patience. More technical trouble on my end, but uh, we're going to lock in this setup for next season. That's yeah, what I'm We're going to make sure about. it's going to be set. Me too. That's yes, it. absolutely. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm we, thinking like we just got to get into July here. We'll, we will pause for a break at some point in time, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna update my my tech setup. 
We're back on Thursday with stick taps and so much more. Subscribe to the podcast uh, on audio or on YouTube, however you consume our great show. For CJ, I'm Julian. So long and peace. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? Inside the game twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.